Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where you'll get the tools you need to master your money, marketing, and your motivation. I'm your host, Haley Luckadoo, the money and marketing coach, motivational speaker, and huge Dr. Pepper lover who is on a mission to connect you with women who are incredible at what they do with the hope that you will leave inspired, educated, and motivated to create the life that sets your soul on fire. Before we dive into another amazing episode, I am so excited to tell you about this week's show sponsor. It is the Money and Marketing Catalyst, which is my signature 12-week program for entrepreneurs and small business owners who are ready to go from stuck to scaling and fast. This program is for you if you are sick of coming up at the end of each month trying to find more ways to make some extra revenue or feel like you're on the content creation hamster wheel and you're constantly posting and engaging only to never drive sales from your marketing. MMC, as we like to call it, focuses on my core method, which is a four-step framework that we first apply to your business finances. So we'll dig into your numbers like you have never done before and get really deep into the details of your money. You'll master your profit margins, feel confident in your numbers, and have personalized and effective strategies for growing revenue each and every month. Then we'll spend the second half of our time together applying that core framework to your marketing. So this is not your standard marketing or social media tips and advice. You will actually learn methods and strategies that are really going to help your marketing. You'll become a content creation queen and you'll ditch all the stress and headache for marketing efforts that actually convert into sales without relying on ad spend. MMC is the program that I wish I had when I was ready to grow and scale my business. Consider what it's costing you to stay stuck where you are for the next three months. I guarantee that if you wait, if you don't jump on this now, you will look back wishing that you had just gone ahead and invested in yourself. This is the ultimate program to help transform your business into what you want it to look like, all with someone who's personally been right where you are, figured it out, and wants to help you succeed faster and easier. Enrollment for the Money and Marketing Catalyst is actually currently open for our next round that starts at the end of January. And as a thank you for being a listener of the show and a part of the Females on Fire community, I want to give you a gift. So if you are listening to this, I am giving you $400 off of the program and free access to my Finance Your Future course, which is my personal finance course to go along with all the business finance stuff that we'll talk about in MMC. So when you apply and you're accepted into the program, if you mention that you are a Females on Fire listener, you'll get that $400 off and get access to Finance Your Future. Just head over to Apply MMC. So for Money and Marketing Catalyst, applymmc.com and put in your application. Spots are super limited because I want to keep it small enough where you get tons of time with me and individualized help. So there are only a few spots and they will absolutely sell out. Don't wait to change your business because when you change your business, you change your life. And the money and marketing catalyst can be the catalyst, the propeller, the program that will help you do just that. So go ahead and enroll. Do not miss out. And again, head to applymmc.com and put in your application and my team will get you all of the details. Welcome back, Females on Fire. We are finally back to a guest 
episode. And I am so excited because this guest is so incredible and I cannot wait for you to hear all of her amazing advice. Today, I am talking with Candice Coppola and she is an author, podcast host, and entrepreneur who believes that if you want your dream business, you have to become the owner that that dream business needs. As a successful entrepreneur who grew a business from the spare bedroom of her home into a multi-country, multi-six-figure company, it is safe to say that Candace navigated the bumpy road of entrepreneurship. She's been incredibly successful and has so much incredible advice surrounding business and entrepreneurship. But today, we are getting her advice on one specific topic that I really think you guys are going to love. We are going to be talking all about how to data mine in your business so that you can use that information to discover what it is that your clients value and what their problems and pain points are. So we're going to be getting Candace's advice on what this process actually looks like, what data mining really means in terms of your business, and why this information is so crucial and so important to you being able to show off testimonials and social proof and really hit those pain points and serve your clients in the best possible way. So I'm so excited about this episode. We are going to dive right in with Candice. Hi, Candice. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Hi, Haley. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm so excited. I think this is going to be such an awesome topic. I know it's going to be very high value for our audience because this is something I think we could all really, really use regardless of what type of business we we run. So I'm really excited. But before we get into all of the goodness of your advice around this. Can you just share a little bit about your story, your journey to get here, what that's looked like for you and what you do? Yeah. So I, first of all, I am really excited about our topic. I think data mining is so important and I'm really excited to share with your listeners ways that they can data mine to uncover more about their customers. But my journey began many moons ago. We're going on almost 13 years now, lucky 13 of starting my business. I started my first company back in 2007. I was 26. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, Haley, I have to be honest, but I was committed to figuring it out. And this was way back in the day before there were courses and lots and lots of books and podcasts and social media where you could get answers to all of your questions. This was like back in the day where I went on Amazon when it was a bookstore and purchase books like how to plan a wedding for dummies and things like that just to try to give myself some education and information as I launched my wedding planning and event business. And I was sort of in a weird space in my life. I was did not complete college. I had to get a job so that I could support myself. And I ended up working for a medical practice in their HR department. So mostly dealing with the people who worked for the medical practice. And it was really my first sort of experience in corporate America. And like most people who were not made for that experience, I very much disliked it. And I really didn't see that being the long term for me. And for a long time, I didn't think that there were many options outside of what I was doing. It kind of was the track that Everybody I went to high school with went down, and it was the track that my mom went down. It was just sort of the experience I think that most people have. So entrepreneurship was not on the radar for me, but I was deeply unhappy. I was an art history major in college and very much into the arts and into being creative, and I really wasn't quite sure what my creative outlet was going to be until I stumbled across wedding planning. I think it was a television show, Whose Wedding Is It Anyway, that sort of hooked me into this world. And I decided that I was going to open up my own wedding planning business with zero experience. I'd never planned a wedding in my life. I'd only been a guest maybe a handful of times. And so no idea how to run a business, zero clue on how to plan a wedding. 
but I decided to do it anyway. And I think that's one of the great things about entrepreneurship and being youthful is, is like you sort of have this supercharged belief that you can figure anything out and the older you get that sort of wanes and maybe we'll talk about that. But I had a lot of confidence and I spent a year planning out my business, writing a business plan, developing my brand. And then I quit my job, I launched it and it was just really quick in terms of success and building my business. I think one of the greatest things I did for myself was I wrote a business plan. So if you guys know me, you know that I'm a huge business plan advocate. I love strategy and business, but also the relationships I was able to build really fast tracked me in the right direction. And I quickly signed on clients. I quickly started working with my ideal customers from the very beginning. And I was able to grow a multi six figure, multi country business that helped clients plan moments that matter in their lives all over the world. I've worked in all different countries, all different types of couples and families and events, not just weddings, but um, events outside of weddings. And so I grew a business, I grew a team, I had an office, I had like all the wish list things that people wish they had when they started a business and grew a business. And a few years ago, things just started to change for me internally. I was in my mid-30s, so definitely not 26 anymore. I had actually moved out of the United States. My husband, who I met on vacation in Barbados, he's from Barbados, we got married, we met and we got married, and I decided to move to Barbados and bring my business here while still having it operate in the States with my team. And things just changed in my life. I, I didn't want to give up my weekends. Anybody who's in the events industry knows how stressful it can be and just also the commitment of your calendar to others. And I just didn't love it anymore. I loved parts of it, but I and I loved the business of it, but I didn't love the doing of it as much as I did years before. So I had sort of this time period of trying to figure out what I was going to do because I had grown this business and this brand. It was very recognized. I had written two books that I got published um, through a publisher. So I had all these great successes, right? And I had this business that wasn't serving me in the way that it used to, and I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And it took some time to work through that, to acknowledge it in the first place, and then figure out what my next move was going to be. But while growing my wedding planning and design business, I started coaching wedding pros. People would come to me and they would ask me, how did you do that? How did you create your business? What is sort of your secrets? And I loved it so much. I loved pouring into other people. And I also uh, was trying to field all these emails for coffees and brain picking sessions. And I said, you know what? I'm going to charge for this. This is back in 2011. I'm going to charge for my secrets and, and help pour into the industry while also being compensated for it. So I had been doing that for a long time. And through that, I, I kind of uncovered, I think, what I was really meant to do. And it's very similar to what I was doing, but just in a different vein of helping people in a different way. And as I was wrestling with these feelings about my business not serving me, me not loving it, there was this thing over here that I loved more, that I looked forward to every single day, that I could see being the path that I would take into my later 30s and then eventually into my 40s and beyond. And that was really helping women build a profitable business with purpose. Purpose changed my life and my business. So I was leaning into that and leaning into the fact that this business wasn't serving me. And I had the idea, maybe one of my team members who had been with me for 10 years was really the backbone of the business. Maybe she would be interested in buying it. She started as an intern and I thought maybe this would be something that she would want to do and maybe she's the person who can carry this business into the new millennium and, and just re really into a new era. So I had a really huge wedding here in Barbados and I had flown her in along with other team members to really help me produce it. And she had been on the ground for maybe an hour and a half. We were sitting in my living room on the couch and I poured us both a glass of rosé. This was like three o'clock in the afternoon just to set the scene. And I had maybe four sips of this glass of wine and I literally blurted it out. Do you want to buy my business? And she looked at me and 
really with zero hesitation said yes. So quickly, you can see us there, Haley. We're like Googling, like, how do you sell a business? We had no idea what we were doing, but we quickly figured it out. And we're coming up now on the one year anniversary of selling my business, which is not something I ever thought was possible for me, right? I just thought, you know, you're right off in the sunset and you just do something different. You let it go. It just dies. But that's not what I wanted because so much of my identity was wrapped up in this business. I sort of became an adult. I became who I am today through the lens of this business. All of my important friendships that I had created sort of sprung from this business or were during this time. And my identity was just wrapped up in being Candice, the owner of Jubilee Events and my books and the features and the customers I was working with. So it was really, um, it really wonderful to be able to sell my business to somebody who could take it beyond what I was capable of doing and who loved it more than I did. And so in October of 2019, we signed all the paperwork, went out to lunch to celebrate, and she has just really taken that business and, and moved it into the direction that she wanted to. And I'm just so, so thrilled about that. And simultaneously, I have leaned into coaching women in business with my podcast and, and my programs and all the things that I'm doing now. And I have to say every day I wake up and I'm just so excited for the work that I get to do. So that just goes to show you that you can make changes in your life and in your business that you should listen to that little voice or those nudges that you're feeling, investigate it, understand if maybe it's just temporary, it's something that maybe it's just, you know, you're just have in a funk or if it's something that you really need to listen to, you're allowed to make changes and your identity doesn't have to be the work that you do and you can grow into a new season based on what you want to do with your life. So that's a little bit of my story. That is so incredible and such a, such a powerful story of, of really what entrepreneurship looks like, you know, mm -hmm. because I think so many of us, we have these, these pivots and these transitions and all of these things to get to the business that we really want to build. And then mm -hmm. sometimes even that changes over time. And I, I have a somewhat similar story to you that I started out in wedding planning and did that for many years before that led me to do something else. And, yeah. um, I, I think that's something a lot of our listeners can relate to is that the thing they do now is maybe not exactly what they set out to do in the beginning. And even what they do now doesn't necessarily look like what their goals are for the business a couple of years from now. Uh, and so I, th I just think that that really goes to show you that with, with small business, with entrepreneurship, you really do get to call the shots. You really get to do your own thing and, and decide where this is going to go. And I think your story is, it, it's such a powerful one because it goes to show you that if you really do lean into that mm -hmm. and you really do listen to yourself and say, okay, I'm, I'm kind of feeling done with this, or I'm kind of feeling like it's time to start letting this part go, or, you know, whatever those feelings are that you have, it can end up being a really cool situation for you. And I think a lot of us are so scared to start over or, or try again or start something new or add something to our business because we're like, well, this is what I do. And this is the way mm -hmm. I've done it. And, and this is what works. And especially I hear this all the time. This is what makes me money. What am I going to do if I don't make money? And I think, you know, it's really important to remember that sometimes your, your new story is going to be better than your old one. So you may yeah. love this life. You may love this business. You may love what you do. It may make you great money and, and all of that. But if there's something sort of tugging on your heartstrings saying, I want to pivot, I want to transition. I want to do something different. I want to do whatever, then, you know, you should lean into that. You should listen to that and see if that's something that you should pursue because who knows that business could be bigger. It could be better. It could make you happier. It could give you more time off. Like you said, mm -hmm. wedding planning is not for the faint of heart. Listen, Haley, you know, you're a former wedding planner, <laughs> uh, retired. And, and so it's so funny. The, the last wedding that I did was my retirement essentially. And, um, I had a, my good friend, Alan Zapata was the photographer for that wedding. And he had brought me this retirement card and a retirement gift. And the father of the bride in his speech, uh, announced my retirement and says, sorry, nobody here can hire a is for her last wedding. Oh. She's retiring. It was just really sweet. It was really full circle, but you know how stressful it is 
to be in the events industry. It is high paced, high volume, lots of stress. And most wedding pros don't make the kind of money they expect to make, which is why I felt even more called to teach people the formula, the format for actually being profitable and building the business that you want. And you're right. You may arrive at the destination that you've set out for yourself and it might feel good for a certain period of time. And you might wake up one morning and say, I wanted this, but I'm a different person or life has changed for me, or I don't want to work so much, or I don't, I don't want this anymore. I want something different. And you're allowed to change your mind. Yes. Yes. And it's okay. If the destination is constantly changing, I feel like we feel like there's like shame in, you know, setting a goal and then getting halfway there and going, well, I don't really want that anymore, or I want something just slightly different, or here's what it looks like to me now. I feel like a lot of us were like, no, I have to go hit that goal because I told everybody I was going to, and everybody's watching me go for this. Oh, that's so real. Yeah. And then, Mm -hmm. and then we get there and we're like, oh, it's really not what I wanted. (laughs) And so then we're like, well, now should I go for for what I really wanted, you know, what I changed my mind about and what I, what I want to pursue. And, and it becomes this whole inner struggle that we just don't need to have. It's okay. If it's okay, if it's changing, it's okay. If you pivot, it's okay to do literally whatever you want because it's your business. Mm -hmm. It's your life. And this is, you know, you, you get one shot at it, right? So if you're unhappy, you have to examine what that looks like. And for some people, sometimes that unhappiness is just circumstantial kind of situations they currently find themselves in, a rough client, a down year, or maybe personally, they're just struggling. Like they're overwhelmed, they're tired, they're a little burnt out. And it's okay to lean into it and see if there's something else that sparks you up or makes you more excited and to see what that might look like. But truly, I think we have to just start listening to ourselves and trusting our intuition more about our work and our careers and our life in general. And I'm really grateful that I was able to do that. But listen, it was not an overnight thing. And I was by no means like the roadmap of how to do this. I really struggled with it for a long time. I should have done it a lot sooner. I didn't that's okay. And I'm where I am now because of hard decisions. And listen, nothing bad happened, right? I, I, my, my career didn't fall apart. People still recognize me. Like I just was able to easily transition into something that I was also known for. So that's why I think building a personal brand is important too. I had that to lean back on. And so when I made this transition, it wasn't much of a surprise to my audience and I had built this thing on the side. So it was able for me to easily transition. So here's my advice to anybody listening, build a personal brand, whether that personal brand is you in TikTok videos with your kids, it doesn't really matter what it is, but build something outside of your business for what you're known for personally. And whenever you decide to pivot, change your mind or graduate into something else, your personal brand will really help to usher you. Yes. Yes. That's great advice. Such great advice. And so true. All right. Well, I feel like we could dive into this all day long. Uh, So let's, let's pivot a little bit and get into the good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are going to talk all about data mining. I'd love to start off with you just kind of sharing what exactly that means in terms of when it comes to finding what your clients care about and where Mm -hmm. their problems are and um, just why that's useful. Like, how are we going to use this information? Why does it matter? Why is this something that our listeners should be doing with their customers? Yeah. So data mining is simply using tools to research your ideal clients, and it's going to help you to uncover information and patterns about who they are, what they value, and what most importantly, their problems are. So businesses exist to solve their clients' problems. They also exist to pour into our own lives and help us achieve the things that we as the owner want to achieve. But the sole reason why our business truly exists is to solve our customers' problems. And so how can you make sure that your products, your services, your offers, whatever it is that you do in this world, how can you make sure that you are really the solution? solution 
that your ICA or your ideal customer is looking for. So you can use data mining to get into your customers' heads, learn how to speak their language, to give them content that's going to resonate, help move the needle forward. It can help with information, services, products, marketing, and programs that solve their problems. And it's something that they value, which are two components you must have in order to get customers. Because if you're not solving their problems and what you offer is not something they value, you're going to run really short in your bank account. Nobody's going to hire you, right? So it's just simply getting in your customers' heads, learning how they speak, what's top of mind for them, and how you can serve them better. You're just going to mine, so to speak, for more information, for some data to uncover that information and patterns about who they are. I love this. I think a lot of us are already doing this too, mm-hmm. without even knowing that we're doing it. Yep. Because uh, if you think about, I instantly thought about like Instagram stories, when you put up those little polls, mm-hmm. questions and things like that on your Instagram stories for your audience to answer. I think a lot of us tend to ask our audience questions, you know, in an Instagram story or at the end of a post or in Facebook groups or whatever. And we don't even really realize that this is what we're doing. And I think where the the disconnect happens sometimes is that we forget really how to use that information. Yeah, um, so, that's totally true. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like this is definitely something a lot of us are kind of already, you know, scratching the surface on, which is why I think mm-hmm. this is such a cool uh, like topic to talk about because I feel like this is something that'll be really easily implemented for a lot of our listeners. Uh, for absolutely. So I've got five methods that you can use to data mine, to learn more about your customers. And I would love to share these five methods and some tips and tricks around each one so that you can start implementing these if you haven't already or double down on some of the things that you're already doing, but start really paying attention to what people tell you. Yes. Let's hear them. Let's hear these methods. Awesome. Okay. So the first is to survey your audience and this is obvious, but it's more than just getting feedback. I want you to send out maybe an annual survey to ask your audience how things are going for them. And I love doing this. I do it every single year for the last three years. I call it my state of the industry survey. And I mostly use my email list to drive traffic to this, but you can use a combination wherever you are, wherever you're talking to your people, drive them to a survey where you're gonna ask some questions. So here are some things to consider when you're creating a survey to survey your audience to get that data. Get information about how they consume content. Where are they going? to get content to help solve their problems. This will give you a good indication if you should start that podcast or if they're downloading freebies and actually using them or if they're just collecting dust on their hard drive, right? So ask them how they like to consume content and that can help you to understand if you are in the right places. Get information about what they've bought in the past. So if you're a course creator, a coach, you're some type of service provider, Ask how they have actually purchased some of the things that you offer, or if you're looking to offer a new something, whether that's a course or a mastermind or um, one-on-one services, whatever that looks like for you. And so you can kind of get an understanding if your audience is has purchased in the past, which means they'll purchase again in the future, or if you're working and speaking with people who haven't quite made the investment in what you do. It's just a good indication of how you might need to prime them or speak to them in the future in your marketing. And then you can also ask what they're currently struggling with so that you can provide solutions. This solution can be free, a freebie, podcast episodes, blog posts, et cetera, or something paid for, whether that's a course or program, a workshop, uh, a certain type of service offering. So ask what they're currently struggling with so that you can provide them solutions. And I want you to keep your survey relevant and timely. So what's the state of your niche right now? And what should you be asking about or serving them? Obviously, COVID is something that we're living with right now. So don't be afraid to shy away and ask questions about current realities that your industry or that your customer is currently facing. So send out an annual survey or, uh, and, or you can send out a post launch survey. So if you've launched something recently, make sure that you spend some time asking those who did not buy 
why so that the next time you launch, you can take that into consideration and hopefully have a greater you know, impact or greater success rate with whatever it is you're launching. So this is going to help you understand what to do for your next launch, understand where confusion is in your offer, because trust me, we're all out here building what I like to call the Megalodon of offers, Haley, where it's like everything in the kitchen sink is in this offer. You're probably confusing the hell out of your customers. So a post-launch survey will show you where those confusion points are so you can get more clear and more concise. And it will also help you to learn more about your audience and if they're really qualified buyers. Because a lot of us have you know, good-sized email lists or good-sized followers on Instagram, and they're not all qualified buyers. They may be a year away from purchasing from you. And that's okay, um, but it's just good to know that so you know what you're up against. And what works best when you're creating a survey is to try to keep it to nine questions. And I learned this from my copywriter, Zafira Regine. So shout out to Zafira. She was helping me do some data mining for my recent quiz. And she's like, you got too many questions, Candace. We need to condense this down. Nine questions is best. After nine questions, people, people usually fall off. They get exhausted. So keep it to nine. And you want most of these questions that you ask to be easy, pick and choose, true or false, yes or no, which one applies to you the most, one through 10 kind of questions, right? Um, and then leave two or three of those nine questions to be responses that require them to type in answers. And doing it this way will really increase sort of the, the success rate of the survey. People don't want to work too hard to have to fill out your survey. So don't ask people too many open-ended questions. Make sure it's really clear and concise and leave little room where they have to do a lot of work. And I really think that we should incentivize people so you can give them a free gift card, a free call. You can choose two winners, one winner, whatever you want to do, whatever your budget is for this, right? But incentivize your audience by giving them something of value or the opportunity to win something of value to increase those response rates. So the first way to data mine is to survey your audience. I love that. I, I'm glad you started with this one because I feel like this is probably one that not a lot of us are doing. You know, I said, mm -hmm. like, I think a lot of us are grazing the surface on this already, but I feel like this is one that not a lot of us are doing and it would be so simple to implement. Mm -hmm. And I also think that's really interesting about the nine questions. I had not heard that. So that's uh, super helpful information for your mm -hmm. copywriter. So you can <laughs> let her know I said, thank you. But I will. Uh, it does make sense though, that people kind of fall off, they get bored, they get, you know, whatever. And um, so I, but I love this concept because I think a lot of us feel like we know who we're speaking to in terms mm -hmm. of who our audience is, you know, what they like, what they want, et cetera. But I feel like so often we don't really realize all the sort of behind the scenes of if they're ready to buy, why they're not buying, what it is specifically that they're looking for beyond just you know, the basic genre of what we offer. So exactly. I love that this really gets to the root of that. And I think this is something that, um, like I said, would just be easy to implement and not a lot of us are already doing. Yeah, I totally agree. And in a little bit, I'm going to share with you what to do with all of this stuff, all of these five tips, like what you can do next to actually take action on the information yes. that you get. Um, but surveying your audience is so important. And listen, most people don't do this because they don't want to bother people. They don't want to, and I, I just need you to get over that. Okay. People are following you because they're interested. People are on your email list because they're interested. Okay. They haven't unsubscribed. So get over your fear of bothering people and start asking people questions because it's to their own benefit. All right. What you're going to do with this information is going to help them move forward in the ways that you help them to do that. Okay. So just get over your fear of bothering people and send out the survey. So my second tip is to dig into your testimonials. Now, this is for my friends who've been in business for a little bit and actually have testimonials of their work, okay? And I want you to bring up those testimonials, cards, emails, reviews people have written for you, and consider the fact that when somebody writes a testimonial or a review of you, they're mentioning what they valued most about what you did and how you solved their problems, okay? So when we leave reviews, even for things on Amazon, 
when it's a good review, we're talking about how that product or service solved our problem and what we valued most about that product or service. So use your own consumer behavior to really understand how your customers are doing this too. So I want you to review testimonials that people have written for you and start reading between the lines. If you don't have good testimonials, it's time for you to capture a system or, or, or create a system to capture reviews in a way that's going to draw this information out in a very methodical way. So hang out here with me for a second. I want you to use a Google form or a TypePad form and ask some pointed questions of your customers so that you can get access to this information. Here are some questions that can get you started. What were you struggling with before we started working together? This is going to show you the problem that they had before they reached out to you. Okay, so very simple. Their answer here is going to reveal the problem. What did you value most about our time together. This question is obviously going to share with you what they valued most. You may be really surprised at people's answers. They're probably going to say, I valued how you really paid attention to me, my unique circumstance or situation. I really valued how free you were with your time or how you really dug into whatever it is that I needed you for. So this question is literally going to give you the answer to what they valued most. What results have you achieved since working together? And this is like your social proof. So these results, and don't be afraid to say like, give me metrics, give me numbers, so that you can use that to attract more of your ideal customers with your clients' words and language and what they've achieved. So what results have you achieved since we started working together or since you purchased my product? Then ask, why did you decide to work with me? What about what was it about me or my business or my expertise that drew you in? And this is something that you can double down in in your marketing and really make sure that you're sharing uh, this component of what the, the trends are of this answer, what patterns you see people answering this in your testimonial. And then finally, what would you say to someone else who's interested in working with me? I love this question and I asked it of the women in my mastermind before I relaunched it the last time and their answers were wonderful. And I put that on the sales page, y'all. I, I, my sales page was mostly testimonials from the women that I worked with and it really worked. Like people want to see what's possible for them. Right. And so this question really helps to highlight that. So dig into your testimonials because your customers are saying this, whether they're saying it directly or you have to read between the lines and your testimonials are a great place for you to data mine for your customers. If you don't have a lot of reading testimonials, create a system to start capturing them with pointed questions that will help you not only sell your services, but mine for data. Yes. And make sure that you're asking too. I think a lot of people that don't have testimonials, that tends to be the problem. It's like, I've, I've heard so many of my clients that they're like, well, I just don't really have a lot of like social proof mm -hmm. of testimonials. And I'm like, are you asking for them? And they're like, uh, well, I mean, I asked once and I'm like, once, what are you doing? I like, know. So I feel like we're all so scared to ask people how they felt about us that a lot of times we don't ask. So I love this idea of creating a system to really capture that. And, uh, a, a lot of what you said kind of reminds me a little bit of an episode we had a long time ago. It's been a while, um, with, uh, Christine Bluebosch. She talked about how to get better yeah. client testimonials. Yeah. But, uh, she mentioned that about making sure that you're asking really pointed questions, but I love that you gave examples mm -hmm of that because I think we hear that a lot and then we're like, but I don't know what to ask. So, so true. I love the examples. Yeah. Well, these examples guys are from Christine. She's my copywriter. Okay. So she, oh my gosh, <laughs> small world. So I've got two copywriters, Zafira Regine and Christine Bluebaugh and Christine taught me how to do this and it's been a total freaking game changer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I bring it here to you to remind you and please go and listen to Christine's episode. If you haven't listened to it in a long time or at all, because yeah. she is brilliant. I love her so much. And um, yeah, this is her technique and it freaking works. You have to get over your fear of bothering people, okay? You're not bothering somebody by asking them to share with you so that you can 
share that with others, but also refine your process, get clearer, get better. If somebody has a suggestion about how you can do something better, wouldn't you rather know what that is and be able to implement that than hide from it and not ask because you're afraid that you there might be a little critique or criticism? It, it is meant to help you and move you forward. And I guarantee you eight out of 10 times, people are going to want to give you a testimonial. I approached Christine and said, I wanna do a video testimonial for you because you've impacted my business so much, okay? That was me approaching her and saying, because yeah. I, I know the power in having that piece of material to attract more customers. And I wanted to do that. I wasn't compensated. She didn't take any money off of my package or, or anything like that. I did it because I wanted to. Your customers want to too. Some may approach you and say, I wanna give you a testimonial, but sometimes you need to ask. And listen, you don't get what you don't ask for. So start asking yes. people to share more yes. about how you've impacted their, their lives or how you've helped them move forward or something great that you've done for them. So dig into your testimonials. They're going to be a great place to data mine. Every time I launch something, every time I do something, it's those testimonials that I go back to. But I also go back to something else, Haley, and that is inquiries. Okay. So while testimonials will tell you what your what problems you solve for your customers and what they valued most about what you did for them, your inquiries will tell you what problems somebody's experiencing right now and what they value most about what you do as well. When people reach out to you about your product or service, they are literally asking you, are you the answer to my problem? And do you value what I value? So think about the last time you reached out to a business coach, a copywriter, a graphic designer, a VA. You are an organized person. You are a business owner. You're not here to play. And when you wrote that email, you literally were asking them, like, are you the answer to my problems? And do you value what I value? You're going to be the right fit for me, right? Your, your customers are doing the same thing. Okay. So I want you to go back to inquiries and see what people were saying, whether it is overt um, or covert, whether it's out there or you got to read between the lines and go through those communications back and forth and look for little things that they've said. And you need to notice trends and patterns of what people are saying to you. Now, recently I relaunched my mastermind. I implemented an application system. Okay. So people had to apply to be uh, considered to join the mastermind. And I did this so that I could screen people better. And I wanted to create some excitement around joining. And so this, op this option that you had to be screened in order to join us appealed to me. The happy, happy sort of mistake that happened from this is that women, when they applied, put down like, all this, and I asked, what are you struggling with right now? What do you want to achieve? And that was just so that I could understand if this was going to be a good fit or if they're going to be like a tire kicker, which I don't want. Okay. Um, but the beautiful circumstance around this was when I was preparing my quiz data for Zafira to launch my quiz, I was like, let me go back to all these applications and let me just copy and paste, leave the person's name out, but copy and paste all the information they presented so that we could create quiz results based on who they are, the number of years they've been in business. And it was magic, okay? It was magical what we uncovered when we looked at it in the totality of it. So one-off, you may not see patterns, but when you look at you know 25 applications of some of people applying to join your program or whatever it might be you really start to see the patterns that emerge the struggle points the similarities the unique differences and that just really can help you in your offer in marketing and in selling all of that so i want you to review your inquiries and look for what they said they valued and what problems they're coming to you with I love that. It's just looking at it from a different perspective yeah. than you looked at from the first time. Exactly. So next, I want you to hang out with their congregating. And this is kind of obvious. I think we're all trying to make sure we're in the right rooms where our ICAs are. And, you know, Facebook groups are good places for this, but I think we're all just kind of sick and tired of Facebook and Facebook groups at this stage. 
So you might not see a lot of people hanging out in those areas, but you really want to be wherever they are. And wherever they're hanging out and asking questions is usually a treasure trove of information. I love just popping into groups where there might be other wedding pros and seeing what are they commonly asking? What are their struggle points? That can help me frame up a podcast episode or a blog post to address that, or even help me address it with the women in my mastermind, right? So it can help me generate content for some of my paid programs. So you want to hang out where people are congregating. And I want you to also sort of create a little bit of a system to capture this data so you can review it later. So as you're scrolling your Facebook feed or scrolling your, your groups, you see a really interesting, unique question that you could lend your voice to or you could provide a solution for, make sure that you have a system to capture that, whether it's just putting it in a notes in the notes app in your iPhone or something a little more robust. I love to add those things to what I call my content bank, which is just a bank full of ideas of content that's a mixture of of capturing data from you know data mining to seeing what people are asking to ideas I just have on the fly so that I can review that every time you know I'm on stories and I'm like what the heck am I gonna talk about today? <laughs> like what I feel like I've exhausted every content topic and now I'm just going back to the beginning. I can go into my content bank and pull some some topics. I love that. I love the content bank. I I think that's a really good little piece of it, like extra piece of advice yeah. for our audience. Cause yeah. not a lot of us are doing that. I feel like, I don't know if anybody else does this or if it's just me, but I constantly just like randomly get hit with ideas mm -hmm. and I'm like, Oh, I'll remember that later when I want to type up an Instagram post or do this with my marketing or I'll remember it. I'll remember it. And you know, two days later I'm sitting around like, what was that idea? <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, why didn't I write that down? And so now constantly, anytime I say an idea to my husband, he's like, write it down, write it down right now, write it down. Don't stop talking to me. Just go write it down. Cause he knows it's going to happen. And I'm going to get so frustrated. Mm -hmm. so I love that idea. Cause it really solves that problem. If anybody else has that problem like me. Uh, but yeah, I like, I like this idea of, you know, congregating where, or hang out where they're congregating and stuff, because this is something I tell my clients mm -hmm. all the time when it comes to like where to promote your content and how you don't necessarily need to be everywhere on every platform. You just need to be where your audience is. Okay, precisely right. And listen, the content bank is a game changer. And my recommendation is to create this in a program or in a way that's intuitive to you. So you know, don't sign up for some software that you've never used before and think that you're going to adopt this routine into your everyday. So if you're in notes all the time or you use Evernote or Google Docs or whatever, whatever's, I use Asana, right? So whatever you're in all the time, create your content bank there because it will become more of a, a natural routine for you to add to that, to look to it, to pull from it than it will be to try to adopt some routine or ritual that's really foreign to you. But it is totally a game changer. And this brings me to my final tip double down on your most viewed content. So this is time for you to take inventory of what people really care about and like what they're really paying attention to. What gets the most clicks? What gets the most shares? What are people really connecting with? And you're going to find eight out of 10 times, this is personal stuff. It's not the sales stuff you share, it's more like, here's my dog, here's my favorite cocktail, here's me living my best life on vacation, or like, here's my kids being jerks, like what, what, whatever it might be, right? Um, it, it, it is more the personal track of the content that you share. I guarantee it. I know it to be true. I know that when you post a Friday introduction of your cute smiling face, doing something fun, whether it's professional or an iPhone photo, it gets more likes, more comments, more traction than your sales posts, than your, hey, new podcast episode posts and all of that stuff. So I want you to double down on the most viewed content, the most engaged content. For me, it happens to be like, quotes that are unpopular opinions. So like when I show up on Instagram and I'm like, F this, or this is the wrong way to do something. It's an unpopular opinion. It helps to really draw people in. It's like saying the thing that needs to be said, someone needs to say it kind of thing. That happens to be some of the best content that I've ever shared. Or when I share something personal, 
So I want you to double down on that most viewed content and eight out of 10 times, it's going to be something personal to you. And that's okay because I think we're all exhausted constantly selling. I was just talking about this to the women in my mastermind this morning. And I said, listen, if you share 80% personal, 20% selling, like you're, that's a good formula. You don't have to be constantly selling and creating content. Bring us along on the journey of your life. Uh, let us get a sneak peek into your crazy reality. You know, I'm a big, huge reality TV person. I love the Jersey Shore. I still watch Jersey Shore, y'all. Like I'm 38 years old and I will still <laughs> put, it, put it on, even the new episodes. And I will go over the old episodes. I don't care. I have no shame. Love Jersey Shore. Love Real Housewives. And I love following people who share more about their quirky, crazy life, their sense of humor, their opinions their kitchen renovations, whatever it might be, is content that I'm here for. So double down on your most viewed content. Quit worrying about your feed being you know, the most curated, color-balanced place and just start sharing like more real stuff. I love it. And I think we all have like a show like that that yeah. we're obsessed with <laughs> that we probably like shouldn't even be obsessed with. What's yours, Haley? Uh I, so I, I probably have a couple, but I'm a huge big brother fan, mm -hmm. um, on CBS. Uh, and I, I post about it a lot, but I love it. I've watched, it's like 22 seasons. I've been watching it since I was like six, I think. And I mean, it's just, I, it's trash TV. It's awful, but it's so good. I love it. I know, but I, it is. and I, I love, you know, the thought with this, that it's okay to almost be a little bit polarizing too, because Totally. Um, like I've, I've done posts before where I'm like, I really hate the bachelor. And so many people in my audience are like, what, how can you hate the bachelor? It's my favorite. And it doesn't necessarily have to always be your favorite thing. You can have conversations with your audience yep. about the things that you don't like that they do. Like I've, I have made friends over the fact that they love the bachelor and I hate the bachelor. And now they're trying to get me to like the bachelor. And now we're no. friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I've aged out of the bachelor. Like I just can't connect with the people who go Thank up on that you. show anymore. <laughs> and I feel like it's just, it's people who want to become famous and influencers. It's purely social media clout driven. Now I just, it, it, it lost the spark of what it once had. And I also think it is kind of demoralizing to women a little bit. So I just, hey, I let go of that. But I'll tell you what, I'll watch Bachelor in Paradise because I'm here for drunken fights. I'm here <laughs> I'm here for, for Wes, the bartender. I'm, I'm here for all of that. Okay. So like, you'll, you'll see me watching Real Housewives of New York where women are just totally wasted 24 seven, <laughs> like they were on the last season, Sonia Morgan. And then I'll watch like counting on with the Dugers, you know, like my husband's oh like, my what? like, how do you go from two extremes? And I'm like, it just, I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. Like I, so-and-so's pregnant again on, on 19 and counting. Like I got to watch what happens with the birth story. Like, yep. Just, yep. like I'm you, just curious. You like what you like. And exactly. I think, I think we all felt this, this year in 2020 when the Tiger King came, yeah. came out. Oh my God. Right. Like, oh my God. Is I, I held off for so long trying to watch the show because I was like, it's so stupid. I'm not watching it. But so many people were watching it. And I was like, well, I don't want to feel left out. And I watched it and I was like, I was right. This is actually worse than I thought it was going to be. It's terrible. <laughs> but we all loved it. We all loved it. But I know. Anyway. It saved my life. Yeah. No, yeah. I really did. I really did. I watched it in one sitting. I was like in the same Mountain Dew t-shirt for like four yes. days. <laughs> and I was just like this. It brought me back to life. Like it brought me out of my quarantine funk when like things were really going down. It was really the joy I needed in my life. And it, there's so much to pick apart about it. But yes. So I just want you to be yourself. And I want you to double down on your most viewed content, which is really honestly, probably mostly personal stuff. And so we've gone through these five different ways that you can data mine, right? Surveying your audience, digging into testimonials, reviewing your inquiries, hanging out where they congregate, see what they're asking, and then doubling down on your most viewed content. And now what? You've got all this information. Now it's time for you to synthesize the data. And I'm going to share with you a question that I want you to write down, put it on a sticky note, put it on your computer. It's a question I want you to take with you in your business always. And it's not enough just to look at all of this stuff. You have to look at it and you need to ask, what does this mean? What does this tell me? So you've got patterns, you've got trends, you've got numbers, and you can type all that up and be like, oh, my report is finished. Like I data mined. We need to interpret the data. We need to synthesize the data so we can take our next steps. 
So what does this mean? What does this tell me? A really fundamental question in business anytime you're making a decision. And here's how you can start to synthesize. Schedule a day or even a whole month to obsess over your customers, review this data, ask questions, be really in tune with this process, make it really top of mind for you and spend some time doing this. I, I scheduled a whole client obsession quarter so I could just become obsessed with my customers and know more about them. Review the data with your team or yourself if you are the team. Um, review it with your subcontractors, the people who help support your business. Ask them for their insights, what they see, the patterns and the threads, if they have any ideas of how you can leverage this information. Create a marketing roadmap of talking points your audience wants to hear from you, from the survey results, from testimonials, inquiries, and all the things that we discussed. Use it as a guide for content creation. So instead of just wondering what the heck you're gonna post today, go back to what people were saying they want from you and start talking more about that. You can also use it as a guide for sales copy, which is really important. You can use it to fix your programs, your offers, your services, and your products that are out of alignment with what your customer wants. Remember the Megalodon of courses or offers that you're building right now that has like every single thing possible. This can help show you what people are really looking for from you and what they're not concerned about or what they don't want. And you can fix your programs, your offers, your products, your services with this data. And you can use their own words in your copy. So this is one of my favorite hacks is basically when, when you, if you ask a question, you know, fill in the blank, I'm struggling with blank in my business. You can then take that and say, do you want to stop struggling with blank in your business? Or if I only had blank, my business would be better or more successful. And that blank you can use in your sales copy that this uh, service, this program, this offer helps to take away this problem will give you blank right? So you can start using their own words in your actual copy outside of just sharing testimonials. And remember, you want to start with the problem. So openly talk about that problem. You want to agitate that problem, stir it up by making them uncomfortable, talk about those symptoms of the problem, and then offer your solution, how your work is the transformation. Love this. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love that this like puts it all together and says, okay, now this is what we do with it. And, yeah. and really simply is like just getting to the pain points of your customers, because I think mm -hmm. a lot of the time we are sitting around like, well, I know my clients struggle with this, but I'm, you know, I'm saying that I'm talking about it, but they're not booking or they're not buying or they're not doing whatever. And I had, you know, my coach, cause I've hired a coach, my coach, uh, told our, our mastermind group one time, she was like, you've got to be legitimately speaking their language. And she yeah. talked about how, um, she kept getting a question in her Facebook group about the thing that she talks about. And she was like, the question made absolutely no sense. Like it wasn't even like correct terminology for the thing, you know, like it was just, it was so off base, but she got that question so many times that she actually used that wording, even though it made absolutely no sense. She used that wording on her sales page and got like way more bookings because of it. Mm -hmm. Because even though it wasn't the right terminology, even though it wasn't the, you know, the, the correct term and everything for the industry, it was what her clients were asking. It was the verbiage that they were using. And so yeah. I think this really focuses in on that problem with well, you may be talking about the right thing, but you're not saying it in a way that's, that's making the light bulb go off for your customer. And this really solves that pain point for you of figuring out exactly how they're wording the problems that they have. Very true. And so you, it, we will end here. You, you have to recognize that sometimes people don't understand the source of the problem right? They only understand the symptoms of the problem. So think about, for instance, the last time you weren't feeling well, you knew that you had an upset stomach, that you maybe had some chills, like you just were not feeling well. You, those were your symptoms and you weren't quite sure what the specific problem was. Was it food poisoning? Was I having like a IBS day? Like you, you didn't know exactly what the problem was, but you felt all the symptoms. 
Sometimes your customer's not aware that the root of the problem is X, but they're experiencing all the symptoms that lead you to believe the root of the problem is X. So don't be afraid to double down on the systems they're experiencing. And sometimes you have to introduce them to this is actually the root of those symptoms. This is your problem. Yes. Yes. And I love that analogy. That was a great analogy. Yeah. Oh, this has been so good. I'm so excited for our listeners because like I said in the beginning, I think this is something we're all sort of grazing the surface on. Mm -hmm. Maybe we've done one or two of these five things, but not really all of them. And I think a lot of us, even still, I mean, I have days where I struggle with this, even though I've been in business for years and I I know better, you know, but we all have those days where we just start sort of forgetting what verbiage to use or how to structure what we're saying so that it really hits home for our customers and potential customers. And, and so I think this really, really does solve that pain point of just getting right to the bottom of what our customers need, what it is that they're looking for, and really being able to show them that we are the right fit for them. And we Mm -hmm. are the person they need to be working with or buying from, or, you know, getting the solution from, like you said before, So I'm really excited for our listeners to hear this. I can't wait. Me too. Me too. Awesome. Well, since it's the end of the episode, I want to go into the rapid fire round really quickly, which is just a couple fun questions for you. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. What is one part of your morning routine that you love? Watering my plants. Oh, cool. I don't think we've gotten an answer. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so not a plant person. I kill them. So gosh, I'm a plant mom, like to the max. Just watch my stories. I have 65 plants in my house and counting. I love it. I love it. (laughs) My mom is like that, which makes absolutely no sense for why I have a black thumb. And my husband is so so great. He's in landscaping and stuff. And so he's so good with that. And he's just like, don't touch anything. If you touch it, it will die. (laughs) Oh gosh. All right. What is the last book that you read? Ooh, I'm currently reading 1984, which. <laughs> I really oh my gosh. <laughs> but I will say also to my friend, Mary Morantz's new book, Dirt, her memoir, it just yes. got released. I am almost finished with that as well. It's so good, guys. I'm, I'm sure your audience knows about Mary Morantz. She's a photographer, educator, all around awesome woman. I've known her for 12 years. She's and she amazing. just released, yeah, she just released her first memoir, Dirt, Go and Pick It Up. I don't have it yet. And I'm so jealous. <laughs> I, I read like a little clip she posted of it and I was like, I have to buy this book. You do. Oh it's so good. You're going to love it, Haley. It yes. really is wonderful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It looks amazing. Uh, what are you looking forward to in this next season? It can be personal or business, whatever you want. So I challenge the women in my mastermind to take 40 days off between now and the end of the year. And many of them have done that. And I did that too. So I scheduled a lot of rest for myself in quarter four. I'm taking a lot of time off to enjoy the holidays, to enjoy my husband's birthday, to just enjoy life. And I'm really looking forward to that. (laughs) I love that. I love that it's such a practical, like self-care answer. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. What is one tool for business Mm. that you would recommend? Oh gosh, there are so many. I love HoneyBook so much. Those are my people, but I also love Asana. And I mentioned it earlier. I use Asana to literally get things done in my business on every facet of it. And it's a game changer. I couldn't do business without it. Yes. I'm also a massive HoneyBook fan. So yeah, my, my audience knows this, but I feel like we have a lot of Asana users. So it's it's very popular. Yeah. Love it. All right. Last question. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Oh gosh. Um, when someone shows you who they really are, believe them. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I love that. And my, my younger self could have used that. <laughs> oh yeah. We could use that at all different stages in our lives. Right. True. I think that's a, my, it's a Maya Angelou quote, but it came from a friend, um, a couple of years ago and I was like, yep. And I just leaned into that. Yes. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. Yes. Oh, so true. So true. Mm -hmm. All right, Candace, tell everybody where they can find you because I know they're going to want to after they hear this episode. Tell them 
your website, your Instagram, whatever you want to share. And what are you promoting right now? Yeah. So I would love to connect with you. If you've listened to this episode and you want to be besties, my Instagram is the place to be. So follow me on Instagram at Candice.Coppola and do me a favor, DM me. Let me know that you're a listener of the podcast. I follow people back. I like to invest in people and get to know you. So let me know that you've listened to this episode so I can follow you back and love on you too. If you're curious about more of my story and the services that I offer, you can go to CandiceCoppola.com. There's links to the podcast and all the things. And we talked about data mining today to uncover your ideal customers. And I actually have a free on-demand masterclass, how to discover your ideal customers so that you can attract, sell, and serve them and book out your business with the best people. And inside this masterclass, you're going to learn my four-part formula for attracting your most dreamy, dreamy customers and start building a solid foundation for your business. So you can go and sign up. It's absolutely free. It is just like today's episode, jam-packed with actionable steps to uncover your ideal customers. And listen, we all need to double check in on who we're speaking to when it comes to our business, because if we don't know who we're talking to, then things can get really difficult in our marketing and in our sales. So it's always good to get a refresher. And so please go sign up for my Ideal Client Blueprint Masterclass. You can do that at candiscopla.com slash masterclass. Love it. And we will put all of that in the show notes as well. So head over there. You can click all of those links and connect with Candice. Awesome. Candice, thank you so much. This has been, like I said, just such an incredible episode. I think, like you said, there's so many little helpful, actionable, tangible tips in here for our audience. And I'm so excited for them to get to hear it and start implementing this. And you're just such a joy to talk to. So I've had so much fun and really just appreciate your time and being willing to share all of your wisdom with our audience. Well, Haley, likewise, I appreciate being able to come on your show and share what I know about data mining so that you can work smarter and not harder. And you're such a great host. Thank you so much for having a podcast like this, which pours into women like all of us and helps us really build our businesses. That's it for this time. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at femalesonfirepodcast.com to grab bonus content from our guests, support the show, or grab your Females on Fire swag. If you loved this episode, give us a quick shout out on Instagram by tagging at females on fire. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a brand new episode to keep you fired up for those big dreams.